Hey everybody, it's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes Podcast. I am so glad you're here today. On this podcast, I talk to people who have said yes to a greater calling in their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. Today's conversation is with Katie Humphreys, and I had so much fun talking to her. She is the founder of Lane of Roses. You can find it at laneofroses.com. I'm going to put everything in the show notes, um, where to find Lane of Roses, where to find her book, um, and she's also an artist, so I'm going to link to her website because she is a beautiful artist, so I can't wait for you to hear more about that. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Katie Humphreys. Enjoy. Okay, awesome. Well, hi, Katie. How are you? I am awesome. It's good to be with you today, Sue. I'm so glad that you're here. And I know we talked about this, I don't know, how how long ago did you call about holy yoga? How long ago did we meet? Oh my gosh. I think it's been two or three years now. Yeah. God, my flies. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I would love for you to just introduce yourself and kind of let everyone know what it is that you do. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I have two kids and a husband and a dog named Thunder that I love more than anything. And I also love my family. And I'm the founder of Lane of Roses. And that is a nonprofit for women to discover their God-given purpose. And we have different groups around the world. And so that is just honestly the biggest joy of a lifetime. And I'm also an artist, so I do charcoal portraits and pala knife oil paintings. So I usually have paint in my hair. <laughs> what kind of oil paintings? What, what was that word? Palette knife. Like, so I don't like to use a paintbrush because then I have to clean the paintbrushes and I'm not a detailed person. So those stupid things are expensive and I kept ruining them because I'd like not clean them all the way. Yeah. So I just use like, it's like a teeny tiny little knife. Like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I love that. And I've seen some of your stuff on the um, internet and it's just, it's gorgeous. Um, so do people hire you to like do a charcoal of themselves or how does it work? Yeah. And I finally realized, cause you know, we were talking on this before we started recording about like boundaries and, you know, doing what God wants you to do, but not losing your mind. And, how do you do that? and I cannot like have things looming over my head because I've, there's like 9 million daydreams in there and it's hard to like sort everything out. So I really um, just started this, but I will block off some days and have like one day set aside to do commissions so people can sign up and I'll do chocolate, chocolate, charcoal, <laughs> charcoal portraits. And then, um, and it's just a great way to kind of focus on, I always focus on light when I'm drawing or painting and um, it's art is spiritual pretty much everything about it is a metaphor. So I think of God's light and how it would shine through that person. Cause there's always light shining on someone's face uh, mm. in any picture that you would see, or you wouldn't see them at all. Right. And so I think about that, how that light um, is reflecting on that person and what God feels about that person. Um, and really what he feels about me as I draw the person. And then it's just a really beautiful way to connect and do a commission but in a way that like brings life to me and I can also like handle the time. (laughs) And so that's what I'll do. And then I'll give the money away to like a cause or just something fun to make the world a little brighter. Have you always been an artist? Oh my gosh, no. 
Well, I mean, yes and you know, like as a kid, this is hilarious. My mom was super spotless. Like, I don't know how she did it because my house is not like her house. Um, but she would always let me like paint and draw and do whatever on the walls in my closet. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I would like go in my closet for hours. Maybe that's why she did it. But, and I would just like draw and have like all these crazy murals in there. And I never played with toys. I played with art supplies and makeup that I would draw with instead of necessarily put on. And, but then like, you know, the world gets in the way and you think that you start comparing what you can do to what other people can do. And it like sucks the joy from it. And in college, um, I took a class and like one art class, but my roommate was going to major in art. So I figured, well, I couldn't do that too. And also I got like an A minus and I was so insecure and toxic at that point in my life that I thought that that meant I was a failure at it and that I would never be good. So I stopped until I was about 36. Oh gosh. That's such a yeah. shame. And that it's just how we work though, right? Yes. I want to talk about that. And I want to, I want to let people know that lane of roses came from like, it's, it has a link to your sorority in your college, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So lane of roses um, is named for Rose Lane at the university of Kentucky. And I actually went to school at Ohio state and really I had like the classic downward spiral trying so hard to be rebellious but not actually enjoying it that much experience mm -hmm. and it had it was really all about that performance-based identity that I had where it was like what I could do determined if I was valuable or, or not as a person and wait so I have to stop you there are you a three on the Enneagram you know what like no one can figure me out like I even like what? no one I broke it I think I'm a seven and a ten or okay. a seven and a three that's yeah. a ten thing so that's why we say I'm, maybe I'm a 10. <laughs> well, you're a 10. Like, that's for sure, right? I you're broke it. <laughs> I, I don't know. But um, anyhow, so it was also just a lot of other things um, that, you know, some toxic relationships and people confirming the horrible things that I actually secretly thought about myself. And when someone else confirms it out loud, it just seems true. So really it wasn't until I was 23 after college, um, after searching for purpose and worth in just anything and everything that didn't satisfy, I kind of threw my hands in the air, said, God, following you might be boring because I'd grown up going to church like 50 times a week. Um, and I thought it was all about rules, like don't do this, don't do that. And when I did that and that and that, then I felt like, well, I broke every rule. I'm really screwed now. Uh, I threw my hands in the air, said, God, you know what? Fine. Just following you might be boring, but it's better than this. Mm. And then, <laughs> I realized, yeah, then I realized like it actually freed me and that my view of God was incorrect. I thought he was this like harsh judge waiting to like, you know, strike down on all my mistakes. And, you know, I was just, it was impossible to be good enough. I realized that he actually loved me, had a plan for me, and he delighted in me at my best and loved me at my very, very, very worst. Like there's Amen. literally the darkest moments that I have in college where like I'd have flashbacks for a while and I actually went to counseling for it for a long time. Um, but I'd have these flashbacks of just like, see, this is proof that you're worthless. And they were so dark and I just, it was so hard not to just 
lean into that. Um, then I really like went to a counselor one time and she was like, so where, so she had me walk me through this horrible memory that was just popping up anytime I heard certain songs or whatever. And she would say, now where's Jesus in this moment? And all of a sudden, like, no kidding, like, I just pictured Jesus, like, picking me up at my worst and holding me to him mm. with complete love. Like, I'm, like, if you see the pictures, I love pictures of Madonna's and, she, like, you know, the pictures of Madonna's, like, holding the child mm -hmm. of Christ. I love those um, because that's how it felt. I felt totally loved in a moment where I felt like I was unlovable. And that right there, like, that it was like I all of a sudden could receive the freedom. It says in the Bible, Galatians 5.1, that it's like Christ has come to truly set us free. And so I was free. And all of a sudden I realized that all of the dark things that were telling me like I wasn't enough were not from God. I thought that they were because I had an incorrect view of him. They were from Satan. Mm -hmm. So it really, like I'm free. And um, really it's God's light. It was like literally in that memory, like, or that, moment in that counselor's office, I could see that it was like God's light was shining on me, even in my worst and the darkness of that moment really went away. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, if it hadn't been for that darkness, I don't know that I would have ever seen the light. And so really yeah. after, after that, gosh, I'm not even letting you talk to. No, this is about you talking. I love this. This is so good. And especially because I have, I have a 22 year old and I have a 20 year old. And, and they're going to be involved in Lane of Roses soon. I know, but I just, I feel like this, your story is so important. It could just make me cry even just saying this, but at that yeah. age, we believe lies. We believe lies and we lose who we, whose we are. And I can resonate with, I was raised Catholic. I can resonate with that feeling that God was going to judge me. Um, and when I understood grace, and his love for me, even in my weakest moment, it just was such a relief. And I just, I just love your story because it's so common. It's what we go through. And like you just said, if you hadn't had that darkness, maybe you wouldn't know. And so it's not about wishing it all away, but as a parent of a girl in that age, two girls in that age group and almost a boy, I want to know how can I help them walk through that where they don't have to feel so much <laughs> darkness. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want them to lose the hope and the grace of Christ and knowing who they are and their identity is certain with him. I, I couldn't agree more. And it's, I think that we all um, have that, you know, Satan's called the Prince of Darkness, that um, element of you're not enough, you're not enough, you're not enough. And then wham, memories of proof in your own mind, dark things that you've done. And we all perceive darkness differently. Like what may, what make, what might make some person feel really, really like a terrible person might not even register for another person. So really like, that's why sometimes the specifics I've learned, I thought I had to go out and get some crazy story. Cause I was a, you know, kind of a good girl you want to put that capital g capital g in high school and i wanted to see what it felt like to be a bad girl and so i had like all these definitions of what that would be and they like there's there's really like there's no winning in that game because <laughs> uh -huh. we all perceive things so differently but um ultimately it was really that realizing that light and that i was free and that um my identity 
was in what God thought of me. And he looked on me with love and light Yes, that made me join my husband at the time, which I swore I'd ne- I hated campus ministries when I was in college because I didn't feel good enough. And self-preservation says, you know, hate them before they hate you. Mm-hmm. And I, um, at the time, my husband was, um, we actually met because he was doing like this campus ministry thing and met my brother who was a student and then my brother said dude you gotta meet my sister and (laughs) that's how i ended up moving from ohio to kentucky was um my brother that said dude you gotta meet my sister and i moved to kentucky um actually joined a campus ministry that doesn't exist today but it's really i i used a lot of that experience to start lane of roses um because back in 2005 that's what i did i took that horrible college experience but the even better freedom experience that came from that and just went up and down rose lane at the university of kentucky and shared my story with sorority girls like literally one minute like hey you know i was the life of the party on the outside in college but on the inside i felt empty a relationship with god made a difference in my life and gave me hope literally that much Mm. and then would um pass out comic cards and there's no pressure like because it's not like it's just whatever it's zero pressure and then had people fill out a comment card like hey please take me to coffee I want to talk about a relationship with God and then from there you'd have coffee with girls and then it's amazing like um, Lane of Roses still does this to this day and it's amazing like about 90% of girls mark they want some sort of information Um, and granted I'm in Kentucky in the Bible Belt but um, like either an email on Lane of Roses or um, a invitation to our Facebook group. Um, and a lot of girls, about 10% mark that they want to have coffee to talk about starting a relationship with God. So we still do that to this day. And that's really how Lena Rose has started. And it was really, Oh, it was just crazy. And what's even crazy is from those experiences, just coffee dates, um, the organization that we were working with kind of went away. And so my husband and I would just kind of volunteer and have um, college Bible studies at our house. Like I didn't do anything. Like I just literally like had grapes and popcorn. And, um, from that in about 2013, 2011, I started going back on campus and doing those pledge. We called them new member talks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we realized, like, I thought about the girl at 3 AM, um, that was having like a worst moment of her life and how like that one two minute invitation. Like I wanted something there when she needed it. So it was through that, that started, I started a website, which I didn't have a computer and I had to be told how to turn it on. Um, (laughs) And started Lane of Roses, which is basically an online ministry for women. It's there for you 24 seven. We have live chats. We have like, you can send through our Instagram. If you send in a prayer request, there's a team of women, there's 10 girls on staff. They will receive your prayer request. They will pray for it, video the prayer and send it back to you. So that's kind of how it all started. And then, um, I have the gift of starting something. Um, and then one of the girls that was a college girl in the Bible study, um, years and years ago, um, Rebecca Perryman, I actually reconnected with her, um, and asked her to come on staff with Lane of Roses. And I said, you know, I have an offer that is really going to be appealing to you. I can offer you a job. It's your dream job. It pays zero (laughs) dollars. And she took it. So, um, and then from there, um, realized that she has the gift of, um, administration that I don't, 
Um, I don't have that gift. I uh, don't love organizing things. Like I like that whole value of like freedom. I have to have a lot of freedom in my schedule because I never know what God wants me to do. And I like to jump around. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how he made me. And it was really funny because as Lane of Roses grew, especially, you know, when Rebecca joined and she was able to organize the gigantic mess that I'd made, which was fun and working, you know, we had different ambassadors writing for Lane of Roses and all this stuff, but there was no organization really to it. And so once we partnered together, it was just really beautiful to see that like my God given gift of starting things and her God given gift of finishing things <laughs> could really come together. And it was beautiful because it was actually through a Lane of Roses event that we needed an art teacher to teach this. Cause the whole idea of Lane of Roses is you start online, but you end in a living room. Yeah. Um, so really, yeah. Well, it, we connect so much online these days, but the face to face, sometimes we lack. So yeah. our dream is to, you know, reach women online and then connect them face to face where they can have meaningful relationships and other women saying, you know what, God loves you. I'm going to pray for you. Like that, that richness that we all crave that face to face contact. Um, even if it's face to face on Skype, you know, <laughs> but that happens. It's but, true though, because I think we can get so isolated in our own homes, in our, you know, in front of our screens and there is nothing like personal contact, like that face-to-face, -face, just seeing people and right. um, being near them and feeling them in real life. And there's like a sense of value too. Like you realize like if you show up and somebody wants to see your face, like, or you want to see their face, like there's that sense of um, I'm worth seeing yeah. and um, I'm worth the hour that it takes to meet at this coffee shop or, you know, I just... Yes. Or even that, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that's powerful. So anyhow, so really what happened was we needed this art teacher because we were going to do a community-wide art event um, to connect the women that we'd met locally online face-to-face. -face. And it had been really like this really fun thing that we'd been doing. And when, like, and we picked different activities. We've done holy yoga, which is how we met. Um, we, but for this art, when we realized that I'd, you know, when you start something, you end up doing like, you're the janitor, you're the everything. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a job or like a person for a job, you do the job. And so I was like, well, I can teach it. Like, you know, I used to be kind of artsy and it was really funny, like through teaching like super basic art classes at Lane of Roses community events. Like it, like it makes me want to cry. Cause God, it was like, so that initial vision, like before I even went on campus in 2005 of God shining his light on me. Um, and it was really just like an act of scary, scary obedience to even start Lane of Roses when I didn't know how to even turn on a computer. Like it really, I cannot take any credit for Lane of Roses. It is a God's completely. And then through that, like God's light even reached a deeper place in my heart, this place of art. And I realized um, our tagline at Lane of Roses is, we equip women to live out their God-given purpose. And it was through Lane of Roses that God helped me discover my God-given purpose, which is to use my artistic abilities to absorb God's love for myself, receive more of that love and that light that I did in that dark, dark moment in college when I saw Jesus actually shining his light on me to receive that, um, stir up a message that other people can um, resonate through, through art. Cause art, is spiritual it reaches 
places in our hearts, like kind of like that vision of like a Madonna and child. That's why they paint those, like that feeling of acceptance and um, shine that to the outside world. So really um, through Lane of Roses, God showed me my God-given purpose of receiving his love through art and expressing it to others. Um, and it's been probably the greatest joy of a lifetime. Oh, I love that. And you had mentioned something when we were speaking before we started recording that I would love for you to talk about where you said that God doesn't put us, like he doesn't silo us off. Like it's not like you're going to do this thing and then this thing is totally separate. Oh, yeah. Like, and that was something that I had done when I was younger is I'd I'd compartmentalize, like, I'll be good in this day, or then I will do this thing, or I would identify myself with a job, like, my name is Katie, and I am a student. My name is Katie, and I am, like, it was my identity, and now my identity is a child of God. So I am the daughter of the Most High King. So that verse, Philippians 4, 13, he can do anything and everything through Christ. Like, I can do anything through Christ. Yes. So that transcends silos. So I'm not, my identity is not mom. My identity is not artist. My identity is not founder of Lane of Roses. My identity is child of God who does these things. And these things are a part of what make me unique and different. But, um, it really is funny. Like I'm still very much involved in Lane of Roses. I'm, um, but the leadership of it, um, and last year passed on to Rebecca because, um, it became just abundantly clear to me. And I think even to her too, but she's just like my best friend. So, you know, she was letting me come to it. Um, that it was time for her to run it. Like my role is not to be the executive director of Lane of Roses. Like, I don't even like doing that because I'm like, it, it stresses me out because you have to have, you have to literally have like meetings at certain times and like show up. And I like that's str- that's a struggle. <laughs> So, um, that's really not life giving to me, but it's life giving to her. And so, um, the leadership passed off to her. I'm still on the board of Lane of Roses and, you know, always be the founder. So I meet with her every week. Um, I try to like see the staff, um, and just hang out with them because they're so awesome at least once a week and, you know, still do the community events and still other things. But I also realized that God's called me to paint in this season and to make space for that. Um, and I couldn't have done that when I was younger because it would have felt indulgent and selfish. And now I realize it's not, it's God's way of saying, I love you, make time for this. And I have a message that I want to convey through this. So it's like, and I'll still teach art events through Lane of Roses. So it's not like, ever, there's such overlap in what I do. Yeah. Um, and being a mom, man, that's just like, it's like a 28 hour day job, you know? So like all those things like overlap and, um, they're things that I do, but they're not who I am. And Ephesians tells us, and I can't remember the verse cause it's in the message and I love how it's worded. It says it's in Christ. We find out who we are and what we're living for. Amen. And that just couldn't be more true. Yeah. And I think you had mentioned earlier, just that you had a performance based identity before. And he set you free from that, what I love, which I love. But I also love that you're talking about, and I think this is really key for people to hear, because a lot of people that I coach or that listen to the podcast also are visionaries. They have ideas. They have um, something that God has put on their heart that they want to share with the world. And I think sometimes I tend to, I'll speak for myself, um, judge myself if I can't do all the pieces of something. And I would let that hold me back because I can't 
I'm not this person and this person and this person and this person. But what you're saying um, is that you recognize that you start things, that you can be the visionary of something and that you, that God will lead you to the person who can finish it. And I think that's really important for people to hear and, and for us to like loosen our grasp, right? To like unclench our fists from needing to have every piece of it um, handled because it's, it's paralysis from overanalysis sometimes and, and it's fear based, it's total fear. <laughs> um, and so in our obedience, we just have to say, I can do the part that I can do yeah, and trust God for the rest. That couldn't be more true. We're the body, like we're, we're the body of Christ. We all have our different roles. Mm-hmm. Romans 12, six says in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. Well, we don't have all the gifts and that does not mean that we're not enough. That does not mean we're not good enough. And that's how I felt before. And it was paralyzing and miserable. Um, but it really is beautiful to get to partner with other people in the body of Christ because at Lane of Roses now, it, it's not just Rebecca and I even more. She, you know, I can start, she can finish. Um, and, and, but it's like this whole staff team of women and ambassadors that we all use our gifts collectively and it's so much louder and more powerful. Yeah. But I will say one thing um, that really helped. Um, Rebecca and I, like, we, we call ourselves work married because we have the same, like, kind of like purpose for our lives like it really like it's like we're on the same mission so we might as well join hands um and but we had this thing in the beginning like we're like we got to be really honest with each other and because she's a safe person for me and I am a safe person for her um we were able to have this relationship where I would come in and I'd say I'm jealous like I feel like um because you know everything that's going on now and I don't like and, and she would try to let me know but like trust me it's like chasing a whirlwind um like I'm afraid that you know you're gonna take it over and I'm gonna get kicked out and she'd say well actually I'm afraid I'm gonna be stuck in a closet and everybody's gonna be like oh Katie let's have fun and then I'll just be in a closet like working on an excel sheet and no one even knows that I'm alive and it was just like really vulnerable because it's funny that we both had insecurities about what we're good at like I would feel like I was going to get dismissed. She would feel like she was going to get dismissed. And the opposite things were true. Like I wanted the gifts that she had was the bottom line. She wanted the gifts that I had. And then we realized like, why would I want your gifts? Like, I don't even like doing that stuff. And she'd be like, why do I want your gifts? I don't even like doing that stuff. And we worked together, but we had to have, like, we still do this to this day when we meet, we're like, I'm feeling a little insecure and jealous because, and I will say, like, I am really, really, really like lucky um, or you know, use a Christian word blessed. Um, because Rebecca has like, she never made me feel obsolete. And I think that like the curse of a visionary, sometimes it's like, you're all in and then you kind of like, don't have a place to go. Um, and like, she's just really never once made me feel like that. And, um, that's a gift. That is a gift. And it's a gift to be able, you said that she's a safe person. And I think, that um, so many women don't have safe people, Mm-mm. especially other women. Yeah, and I learned a lot about that actually through counseling. I'm a huge believer in counseling, and Lane of Roses has like tons of resources um, for that. And if, but anyhow, like it's just really cool. Like through counseling, um, and I have a like I go to like Christian counseling. She does all sorts of counseling, but I was like, listen, my faith is like so essential to who I am. And she was like, you know what? 
me too. So we were able to have like a normal human relationship, <laughs> but it was just um, really helpful because I would always like, I will lay it all out, but sometimes I would do that. You know, the verse pearls, like don't throw your pearls to swine. And I would always do that. And I would get really, really hurt because I would share like something really, really private with someone that would not honor what I said or go tell someone else. And so I really had to learn to realize like who's safe and who's not. So if you're having an issue with that in your own life, definitely go to counseling. There was a lot that I learned about that and how to recognize safe people and more importantly, how to be a safe person. Yes. Amen. Yeah. We have to be what we want to receive. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll feel like, well, nobody's doing this or that, you know, I'll feel that in my heart. And then I'm like, wait, am I doing that? You know, like, it's like the problem is Bob. The problem is Bob. The problem is Bob. And then it's like, wait, am I Bob? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I used to do that all the time. I'd be like, well, they're just, and then at the end of the day, I like, I even found like, I found my notebook from college that I had drawn in. I actually kept it because it was like, wow, Thunder, don't you dare. My dog's going to get in my oil paint. Like I left oh. it all out. <laughs> um, anywho, but, um, I, in my art notebook, like the one that I got an A minus in, like I, this is so sick, but this is just how hurt and broken and messed up I was. It has like catty notes about my teacher. Like he'd say something about my drawing that was probably like, and I remember him as a nice person. Like um, maybe you could get the shadowing better on the side or something. And I would write, who does he think he is on my paper? <laughs> I was clearly the one with the problem, not him. Yeah. Well, you and I, before we started the thing, we talked about uh, boundaries and all of that. And I think when you start to recognize that, like, we're in control of our own lives, like we have authority over our own lives and our thoughts and all of that. It's, it's really, really powerful. So I wanted to ask you just out of curiosity, is your husband still in ministry? Um, you know what he's discovered is uh, he did ministry because he thought God, it's so funny. He thought God would like look on, on him and be like, oh, well done, faithful servant. But what he's really good at is real estate. Mm -hmm. Like not necessarily selling it, but he's really good. I mean, he grew up in a working class family. His parents are honestly my heroes. They are overcomers and awesome. And I'm really lucky to have him. But he is like, um, he started buying like rental houses when he was 23. Um, and then he'd like get one, have somebody live in it and then he'd live for free. And then, um, but he just had this like gift for, for real estate. And so, um, as the years went by, like he was feeling more and more stressed doing the quote unquote ministry work and more and more alive doing the business work. And then he realized he was siloing as well, where if you put your faith in Christ, um, I think it's um, 2 Corinthians 5, or 20, uh, wait, no, 1 Corinthians, oh, what, we are Christ's ambassadors, that's who we are. Yeah. So basically, no matter what your quote-unquote job is, you're Christ's ambassador. So really, like, ministry is not necessarily in a silo. You can do, if, do everything you do for the Lord, like, you can work and make God happy by using your gifts. Like, he gave yeah. you those gifts. And so he actually, today, um, he owns Eden Capital and they do like, um, they invest in different businesses and in real estate. So, um, he, that is his ministry and he believes the call in his life is to help, um, come alongside other 
people um, and even help give money to like the Great Commission work and stuff like that. Yeah. So he's so definitely cool. a minister, but he's a business minister. <laughs> I love it. So I wanted to ask you also, as you were talking about Lean of Roses being at University of Kentucky, is it, so it's there, but then you were saying it's global at this point. Like how do, how does it work where, how would people get, get into it? If they're interested in what Lane of Roses does, what do they do? Well, you could go to the website, which is Lane and it's L-A-N-E-O-F-R-O-S-E-S. -E -E Sometimes it's hard to know what I'm saying. Laneofroses.com or even on our Instagram or Facebook, all of our handles YouTube are the same. It's Lane of Roses. And you can check it out that way. Just start submitting a prayer request, dip your toe in. Um, we have a link that says find community and that's how you can find community. And today what started on Rose Lane, again, it really is around the world. And it's not just 18 year olds. It's 18 to really 34 mostly, but we actually have some grandmothers in some of our groups and some of our Bible studies. Um, because what we found is we wanted to have um, help women know who they are through transitions in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we've discovered that transitions don't just happen when you graduate high school or graduate college. So really, um, we have like different Bible studies, some for young moms, like I said, some for grandmas, like we didn't really expect that, but it's been awesome. Like in Eastern Kentucky, we have, um, one of the Lane of Roses Bible studies has women of every generation. It's cool. Awesome. Um, so Really, yeah, we have Bible studies all over. Um, we have ambassadors. Um, you can use your God-given gift no matter what it is. We have writing. You can represent us on social media. We have um, these different ways um, that you can be an ambassador or representative of Lane of Roses and learn how to be a better communicator so that you are an ambassador for the rest of your life. So it's really a one-year um, leadership development and discipleship program. So really just check out Lane of Roses, dip your toe in. Um, you are welcome. You will get responded to by a real life human that loves you <laughs> and prays for you. And that's really how to get started is just to jump in, check it out. And if it says, how can I pray for you? Put something in there. Yeah. <laughs> that's I love my favorite. That. Oh my gosh. Well, I love that. And I love that you took that chance and that you were obedient way back when, right? And you, and you look at it now and you're like, God, what God has done with it is so incredible. Yeah, it's, it's been really cool because <laughs> it's God, it's not me and it's not any one person. It's just, um, God can do great things. And I mean this, like to whoever's listening, God can do great things through you. And I think it is not just okay, but it's great to expect God to do great things through you because he tells us that he can do anything through Christ who gives us strength. And that is true. And if you believe it just a little bit, like that little mustard seed amount, like he can really do great things through you. Mm. Amen. All right. Well, I want to ask you a couple of questions that I always ask everybody on the podcast and I gave you a little heads up. So hopefully um, you're ready. Um, let's start with what is a movie that you love? A movie that I love? Well, I have, let's see, can I say a um, show? Oh yeah, totally. Okay. So my kids and I have watched every episode of the middle. Oh my gosh. I love it. So funny. So good. We have watched it. Like, and I don't even mean like we might need therapy. I'm super, I'm like hoping we're not going to get a call from like Amazon prime or whatever saying like, are you okay? Do you need help? Like we have watched every episode. It's just something that fun that my kids and I love my husband. He doesn't really watch TV. I don't know what's really wrong with him, but um, we are couch potatoes by nature and I could not get enough. I can't get enough of that show. It's, it's just awesome. so good. Oh, that's a good one. 
Okay, so what's a book that you love? This is embarrassing. This is the secret favorite book that I have that I've read probably. I can read the same thing a million times if I like it, um, Hunger Games. Oh, really? Oh, I love that. Like, and I also have read Pride and Prejudice a bunch, but if you look at my books, you can tell that Hunger Games is the winner. It was like my stress read whenever I felt stressed. I like to read something familiar. And now my daughter's read it, so it's really funny. Oh, I love that. You know what I love too is like, I can see you. People can't see you right now, but you have bookshelves behind you. And so oh. do I. That's my office too. And it's filled with books. And my parents owned a bookstore when I was growing up. And yeah. And so books to me, like the actual physical book, like I smell it. I like want to hold it. And so now everybody's on, you know, Kindle or whatever, and that's fine. But I just feel like I would miss the actual book. And so I have like piles everywhere. Um, but I can't get enough. Like, it's so hard to choose a book. Like, that's why I don't ask people what's your favorite book or your favorite movie. Cause it's like, how could we possibly choose? It's like just one that you love. Um, so I love that you got some hunger, like hunger games. What do they call it? Adult, young adult. That's oh, yeah, it's kids. Like, that's really my favorite. Like I have other books that I've read several times, like um, that have meant a lot to me in different seasons and for a while like and I do like reading I like reading old stuff too like like classics and stuff and um, probably my favorite place in the world is Key West so we've been to Hemingway's house a bunch oh, cool. and I do not like everything that he's written because some of it I'm like ah I feel scandalized but um, <laughs> like the movable feast like there's parts of it that are just like I probably shouldn't recommend like but I mean, secretly, like the message of it, of how insecure he felt about writing is really the message that I took away from it. So anyhow, it's just like, I love books, but at the end of the day, my favorite is a kid's book. I love it. Well, one thing our pastor says is, you know, there's this whole like theory about C.S. Lewis said it where um, it's a chronological snobbery, meaning what we think is happening now is best because it's newest. And, um, and he was kind of fighting against that. Like the new age, like what we think now in our society, people will be like, oh, you're so old fashioned. You think this, but our pastor's always like, I want to challenge that. It, it doesn't mean that we know more now. And he's always asking everybody on his staff, what book by a dead guy are you reading right now? Huh? And I think that's such an interesting thing to think about and to look at because we tend to go straight to the newest thing, the New York Times bestseller, the new thing on the list. But there's so much wisdom and in the past and, and it's not true that we know more now. Often I feel like it's going the other way. <laughs> um, so anyway, I love to hear you talk about Hemingway and I love to hear you talk about Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, but, but, yeah. The YA I, is <laughs> But it's still, I, I want to encourage everybody like to read all the things. Like we don't have to. Yeah. yeah. I will so, also love biographies. I could talk about books all day. I love yeah, that. me too. Okay. So um, what is, who is someone you admire? That was hard because I have so many favorite people. Yeah. Um, but you know what I really thought about, um, and I love my mom. So this is, but my mother-in-law, Peggy, is someone that I admire because uh, she had every excuse in the world because of her childhood, just both um, not having a lot of resources at all, um, also having just a lot of drama. Um, and I had actually written this in my book and I had permission to, but like at her dad's funeral, like it was really weird. Like not one person cried. Um, the pastor said, and I'll never forget it, 
this was a man with many regrets mm. at his funeral. So I'm like, it just, and she is so full of, like, she just laughs at everything. Like, I always love to say cuss words around her because, like, it just makes her <laughs> laugh really, really hard. And there's just something so fun about that. Like, so she laughs harder than anybody I've ever met. She's um, just, just fun to be with. And she also just made a choice. Like, she would, like, walk herself to church um, growing up and she decided that she wanted a different story for her family. So my husband and his sister just had this radically different experience as children because of the choices that his parents made. And I mean, his dad's in the same boat, like, um, his dad's father, I just don't even like to talk about cause, um, I just can't. Um, but it's just Peggy, her last, her maiden name was side bottom, Peggy face eye bottom. <laughs> <laughs> is honestly I think um if you want to look up success and what it really means like it just has her face all over it she is successful in every sense of the word and if I can be just a little bit like her that's all I want well I hope that makes me cry I hope she hears this <laughs> I'll tell her <laughs> I'll probably say something honoring and then she'll wise crack at me and then she'll listen to it and I mean I don't know I, I wish everybody could meet her at least once um, um, she never and she's not ashamed of the things that she's been through um so I think that's part of why she walks in such victory and laughs a lot is because um the author of Glass Castle, when she first went out with her memoir, which was really shocking, she was like telling her friend like man, I'm so afraid of what people will think. And he told her secrets are like vampires. They do all the work in the dark, but if you flip on the light, yes. they poof, they disappear. And so I think that that's true in my mother-in-law. Like she has everything about her life is exposed to the light. And I think that's why she enjoys such freedom. Oh, I love that. Yeah, they say we're only as sick as our secrets, right? And yeah, when she, she expose them to the light, they no longer have any power over us. Yeah, yeah, she was involved in a shootout as a kid. Like her dad was in a shootout. So. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And, um, she is awesome. She had good things too in her childhood, like people who did love her and were wonderful, but, um, she also experienced some really crazy stories that you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Awesome. Well, okay. So, and what is one good piece of advice you've received? I think this is from Mary Beth Burton, who her husband is the guy who mentored my husband in college and actually um, helped him get into real estate. So like without the Burtons, like, I don't know where we'd be, <laughs> but uh, Mary Beth always said, keep the main thing, the main thing. Um, and I thought she made it up and she didn't, but she's, um, but keep the main thing, the main thing. And it really is. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, everything else, like, um, just kind of falls into place. If you keep your eyes on the prize, um, it really does just line everything else up. And so really that's the best advice I ever got was keep the main thing, the main thing. Oh my gosh. I love that. Um, okay. Before we go, cause I know we're kind of winding down here, but I want you to just tell me a little bit about your book. Is it called oh, yeah. IDs? <laughs> yeah, it's called fake IDs and it's based on the fake ID I had at 20. And I made it in my friend's basement and it was like a metaphor really for me at that time. Like I really was like a fake ID. Like it, like I had, I was the 
life of the party on the outside, but on the inside, I felt so, so, so alone. And really that was before Lane of Roses incorporated, that was really um, another like piece to the message that was added. Um, we just wanted to resource women to know, like, you don't have to settle for a fake ID because your authentic ID is that, um, is to base your worth on how God sees you. So a fake ID is basing your worth on how others, including yourself, because we all, we might think we're awesome one minute and totally suck the next. So a fake ID is basing your worth on how others perceive you. And an authentic ID is basing your worth on how God perceives you and sees you. So really, um, that's the message of fake IDs. And it has some funny stories in it, dumb stuff I did to prove <laughs> that seeing yourself as God sees you is a much better plan. Um, but yeah, that's, that's really the message of fake IDs is, you know, God loves you. You do not suck. I love that. I love that. So before we go, would you be willing, and I did not ask you this in, in advance, but I, I hope that you'll say yes. Um, would you be willing to pray for our, our girls, our college girls? Oh, I would love that. Like your specific daughters or everybody? Everybody's. So many moms that I'm friends with and that I'm coaching and this is a real pain point. You know, this is a real concern and a worry for us. And, um, yeah. Oh gosh. I have a daughter and I just live in Nile. She's 12 and I'm going to say, but I would love to, um, God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're the creator of all things, including us, and that you're the source of creativity and you've made us so creatively and we express it in so many different ways. And I just pray for all of the young women out there in transition and gosh, God, those transitions are, feels like they never, ever stop. Um, but I just, I pray for women that have those things that feel so dark and secrets that feel so shameful. And I just pray that God, you can shine your incredible light in any moment, in any memory, in any dark place. And that um, all the women, Sue's daughters included, my daughter included, all the daughters and all of all of us um, can see your wonderful light and live into that wonderful light and receive that wonderful light. And I just pray that um, that we, that we have the guts to believe what we, what we say we believe, which is that we can do anything through Christ. So I just pray um, for more of your light to shine through us um, and that we're able to absorb your love uh, before we ever try to love anybody else. Um, so thank you, God, for, thank you, God, for women. Thank you for college women. Thank you for women in transition in any age. And I just pray that through you, um, we can find out who we are and what we're living for. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. I loved it. I had fun. So fun. All right.